Hi, everybody, and welcome in to a Wednesday edition of the We Tackle Life podcast. I'm Bruce Hooley. Glad to have you along. Appreciate that you are joining me today in the aftermath of Ohio State's season opener in basketball last night, a victory over Akron. A little closer than we would have liked it, and we have the college football playoff rankings to talk about. We have the football Buckeyes getting ready to take on Mighty Purdue, top five killer Purdue. And, of course, we have the Browns against the New England Patriots on Sunday. Bengals are off. So let's get to it with a reminder that Willis Spangler Starling is the official attorney firm of the Bruce Hooley podcast, the We Tackle Life podcast, and of Bruce Hooley. And if you are looking for an attorney to represent your interests, to protect your legal interests, then you should be going to the doors of Willis Spangler Starling. They are located on Truman Boulevard in Hilliard, about a mile north of the Mill Run area. Willis Spangler Starling can handle your employment law, your social security disability, your personal injury, wills, estate planning, probate, all those things. Those are your big main legal issues, but any other one, Willis Spangler Starling can steer you to the right attorney. They'll protect your interests. Do it with integrity, character, acumen, and expertise. You will not be sorry that you took my word for it that Willis Spangler Starling is the place to go. Follow him on Twitter at Spangler Willis and look for them on the web at WillisAttorneys.com. WillisAttorneys.com. All right. A season opener in the books and a lot more thrilling than Ohio State wanted. They narrowly avoided their first loss to an in-state opponent since that awful, horrible, terrible, very bad day in March of 2014 when Aaron Kraft was fouled at the end and it wasn't called and the University of Dayton defeated Ohio State in the NCAA tournament. This time it was Akron, and I'd forgotten that Akron played Ohio State since that narrow loss to Dayton in the NCAA tournament, and Akron took the Buckeyes to overtime in the NIT. That was during the eminently forgettable Jaquan Lyle era at Ohio State, but the Buckeyes pulled that one out in overtime. But Akron last night, uh, they didn't want to play overtime. They wanted to win it in regulation. And Ali Ali landing the biggest knockout blow since uh, Muhammad Ali in the Thrilla in Manila put Ohio State behind by a point when the Buckeyes had a three-point lead playing defense in the waning seconds. But Ali Ali... Stepped in front of the three-point line, stepped back behind the three-point line, wrong-footed a jumper, and induced E.J. Liddell not only to foul him in the act of shooting, but also to foul out of the game. Then hit the free throw, putting Akron ahead by one. Buckeyes with six seconds to respond. Raced it to half court, called timeout with 3.2 to go. Justin Arns inbound to Malachi Branham. Malachi Branham freed by a screen in the lane by Zed Key, then kicked it back to Mr. Finger Guns himself. He didn't get the finger gun three-point play, but he did get the layup with three-tenths of a second to go, and Ohio State wiggles off the hook and survives by one. So what is going on with the basketball Buckeyes? Are they no better than a team that can beat a team that went 15-8 and eight last year in the MAC? Well, right now, here's what I see with the Ohio State basketball team. I see a team that has a lot of pieces and can make a really nice mosaic, a really nice puzzle, but you don't know which pieces are edge pieces and which pieces are middle pieces. You're not allowed to look at the box and see, ah, this is what my team should look like. I should have this guy starting a point guard. I should have this guy over here. I should have this guy on the floor. I should have this guy, the first guy off the bench. They're trying to figure those roles out right now. Justice Suing is not 100% healthy. Dwayne Washington and C.J. Walker are gone. Kyle Young is dealing with balance issues, which they act like it's not a big deal, but I've had vertigo, and if you have vertigo... I mean, it just it's mysterious. You have it, and then one day you hope you don't have it. So I hope what Kyle Young has is fixable, curable, dismissible. 
But balance issues, that's a bad thing. Because when you think about why would Kyle Young have balance issues? Because he keeps getting concussed by Michigan and by Purdue. And concussion issues, <laughs> how many hockey players do you know? How many football players do you know who've had concussion issues and never been the same? So we certainly hope that's not the case with Kyle Young. We hope he's back. I will say this, even if he's not back, Joey Brunk looked pretty good last night for Ohio State. And this is the problem Chris Holtman has. I don't know how he's going to get everybody minutes who last night looked like they deserved minutes. Now, in my view, there were three guys last night who played who don't deserve more minutes. They may, in fact, deserve way fewer minutes. One of them is easy, Cedric Russell, the transfer from Louisiana. Cedric Russell showed no capacity at all for being able to play defense. None. Zero. Zip nada. Uh, drove right by him twice for layups. One time an and one. Can't play defense in the Big Ten. Can't play on the ball defense. Can't play. I mean, I don't mean, mean, mean to be mean, but it's a cold, hard world, said. I know you can make jump shots, but um, you got to... You gotta be on the plus side of the ledger, and he wasn't last night, so I don't think he deserves more minutes. I was surprised Jimmy Sotos didn't play. If Cedric Russell's ahead of Jimmy Sotos, then Jimmy Sotos not gonna play very much because Ced Russell shouldn't. Now the other two guys that have to play but can't play as much as they played, and they certainly can't play as much as they played together, unless last night was an atypical performance, and it might have been. It was a season opener. Playing Michi Johnson and Jamari Walker together in the backcourt. Uh, puts too many guys on a floor who can't score. Jamari Wheeler does not want to play. Does not want to score. He just he doesn't want to. He scored at Penn State almost ten points a game. But who else is going to score at Penn State? Here, theoretically, Ohio State has guys to score, and Jamari Wheeler, he looked, he looked bad offensively. He looks like the kind of a guy that wants to, but he looks like. Aaron Kraft used to look when the ball finds him late in the shot clock. At least Aaron Kraft would drive, maybe get fouled. Jamari Wheeler not getting it done. So that's a problem, particularly when you have Justin Arns, who cannot get his own shot but can make shots. Now you have three guys on the court who are challenging as scorers, and it puts an inordinate amount of pressure on EJ Liddell and most likely Zed Key. So cannot play if this continues. Uh... Wheeler and Michi together. I think I called him Jamari Walker earlier because I got Samaki Walker in my mind. It's Jamari Wheeler. Can't play them together unless one of them figures out how to score. I think Michi is going to have a good year. I was um, tempted last night to tweet about what a great year he's going to have. I'm glad I didn't because he didn't have a very good game. Now, who looked good? Who looked good? Justin Arns looked good for Justin Arns. I say he looked good for Justin Arns, which means he wasn't awful on defense. Still can't get his own shot, but that's okay because he can make threes. So I think Justin Arns is less likely to hurt Ohio State this year in the areas that he hurt him last year. But again, it's a problem when you have a guy who cannot get his own shot, but that issue might be mitigated by the fact that Justin Arns requires you to guard him. You can't drop off of him. You can drop off Jamari Wheeler all you want. You can drop off Michi. At least you could last night. I don't think you typically can. But you can't drop off Justin Arns or he's going to make you pay. And you are going to pay dearly. But he looked good on defense. He looked quicker. He looked stronger. And afterward, Chris Holtman said that EJ Liddell and Justin Arns have been their two hardest workers. EJ Liddell, of course, looked great. No surprise there. Uh, he took some shots that I didn't think were great shots, but nobody else was scoring. 
and he has to score for these guys. I think he has to score in the 18 and above range for Ohio State to have a shot at winning. Uh, Malachi Branham looked really, really good. Justice Suing didn't play very much because of his groin issues, but he looked quick when he did play. It's very curious to me that Suing could have groin issues and be as quick as he was last night. He looked lighter, which I'm sure they told him you got to get lighter so you have less weight to carry around. There'll be less stress on your groin muscle. Those guys I thought looked pretty good. Zed Key looked really good. Uh, Joey Brunk looked really good. So they got a nice team. Chris Holtman, masterful play at the end. He'll do a good job with them. They just have to figure out their roles. And here's the truth of it. When you play a schedule like they play, with a game at Xavier, a game against Kentucky, games against Cal, Seton Hall, you're going to lose a game or two in there probably because you're playing a guy to figure out your rotation, where if you knew your rotation, you wouldn't be wasting the five to ten minutes he plays. You wouldn't be playing four on five or whatever it is, essentially, because he's not a guy deserving of minutes on your roster by the end of the season. But that's part of the growing pains of every team. And I thought last night, as the game progressed, this might be a game they lose because they've tonight figured out Walker and Wheeler together, not a good combination. Sometimes you don't know before you know. And I asked Chris Holtman last night if he thought of all the things he was unsure about with this team was scoring on his list of concerns. And he said, no, it wasn't. I didn't think it was a problem until tonight. And we get out there and it's like, we can't score when EJ's not in the game. So he'll adjust. He'll figure it out. He'll reorder his combinations. And uh, they play Friday against Niagara the alma mater of the great Calvin Murphy, one of the greatest little men of all time. He is the gentleman for whom the Under Six Foot Award, the Calvin Murphy Award, is named. And Calvin Murphy played at Niagara way back in the day. The coach at Niagara is Greg Paulus, former Duke point guard, former Ohio State assistant coach. Greg Paulus. Then they play Bowling Green on Monday, and then they play at Xavier on Thursday. So a week from tomorrow, Xavier at the Cintas Center. And... uh, (laughs) There will not be a more hostile Big Ten environment. I said it. There will not be a more hostile Big Ten environment than the Cintas Center for Xavier and Ohio State. All right. Recommended to a friend today, Hemisphere Coffee Roasters. They're house guests of ours in town from Arizona. They were getting coffee. I said, well, you ought to get Hemisphere Coffee. And they're like, oh, we love Hemisphere. We had it last year when we were here for Christmas, and we absolutely love it. And so they order HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Hope they're using the promo code. We tackle life in all caps, not only because it would get them 15% off, but because if they did that, then they would uh, tell Hemisphere that we are the people from whom they heard about their awesome business. And that's what we want. We want them to know that you heard about them from us. And so when you order, use the promo code. We tackle life in all caps. They will, of course, be appreciative of your order. I will be appreciative that you uh, let them know that you're a repeat customer because of the We Tackle Life podcast. All caps, we tackle life at gmail.com. We tackle life at gmail.com. While the basketball Buckeyes were playing last night, we had the release of the college football playoff rankings. Weehoo! Everybody gets all excited about this. And this year, every week, the story is going to be where is Cincinnati? Where is Cincinnati ranked? Well, Cincinnati is now ranked fifth because Georgia is one, Bama two, Oregon three, Ohio State four, Cincinnati five, then Michigan, Michigan State, Oklahoma, Notre Dame, Oklahoma State. 
All right. Cincinnati, I know, played Tulsa close on Saturday, 28-20. And everybody's dinging Cincinnati because of that. Now, Ohio State did not play well at Nebraska. Alabama did not play well against LSU. Michigan State lost. Yet the only team that's getting dinged for not playing well is Cincinnati. There is this incredibly different standard for Cincinnati than there is for other teams. And now you're going to say, well, but those other teams play in a conference. You're really going to tell me that the Big 12 is a conference that you don't question, but the America Athletic is? And I would get it if Cincinnati hadn't won at Notre Dame. But when I look at the top five, really, it's what have you shown me by who you can beat? Now, Georgia has beaten... Auburn and Arkansas, two teams in the top 25 of the college football playoff rankings. Bama has beaten Ole Miss. That's their only win against the top 25. They'll have a chance for more. Oregon won at Ohio State. That's the best win of the season by any team. Cincinnati won at Notre Dame. So they won at the ninth-ranked team in the country. If Notre Dame had beaten Cincinnati... Where would Notre Dame be ranked? Would Notre Dame be ranked ahead of Oregon? Would Notre Dame be ranked ahead of Ohio State? Yes. Would Notre Dame be ranked ahead of Alabama? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. So we're in agreement, I think, that Notre Dame would be ranked no lower than third if they were 9-0. They're not 9-0. They're 8-1. They are 8-1 and one because Cincinnati beat them like a drum at South Bend, not nearly as close a game as the score indicated. And yet Cincinnati beating a team that had they beat Cincinnati would be ranked third or higher. Cincinnati does not get any love for that. Now you can say, and I know many of you will, well, you know, Ohio State has a chance to play Michigan and Michigan State. So how do you know either one of those teams is any good? Michigan or Michigan State? How do you know they are? Well, they're eight and one, Bruce. They're both eight and one. So Michigan is legit. Why? Who have they beaten that would tell you, oh man, they're really good? Washington? No, not Washington. Michigan beat Washington worse than Oregon beat Washington because Oregon was dumbing it down this past weekend, like Alabama, Ohio State, Cincinnati were. Only beat Washington by 10. But they beat Washington in Ann Arbor, and Oregon beat Washington on the road at Husky Stadium, which is a loud, very unfriendly place to play. Michigan State is legit in your mind. Why? Because they beat Michigan. And again, I just proved you don't know anything about Michigan. Would you bet Michigan's going to end the year with one or two losses, or would you bet Michigan's going to end the year with three or four losses? I think you're crazy if you think they're going to end the year with two losses. They're not going to end the year with two losses. They're going to have three or four, which makes them, what? An above-average team. Above-average, that's it. So why are they sixth? They didn't earn sixth. They got it because, what, they had Charles Woodson and Desmond Howard play for them back in the day? Why is Michigan State seven? You think Michigan State would beat Texas A&M? Texas A&M is 11th. They're 7-2. and two. They beat Alabama. You think Michigan beat Alabama? You think Michigan State could beat Alabama? I don't. So it's crazy to me that right now at this point in the ranking, Cincinnati's below Ohio State because they have a much better win than Ohio State. It's crazy to me Cincinnati's below Oregon. 
it's a little bit crazy to me they're below Alabama. Until Alabama shows that it can beat somebody else besides Ole Miss, because I think beating Notre Dame at Notre Dame is a lot harder to do than beating Ole Miss and Tuscaloosa. So you just we have this different standard for Cincinnati. And my thing is, I don't care what league you play in. I care about how you look when you play, and I care about who you beat. And Cincinnati losing or Cincinnati beating Tulsa by eight after they had to hold Tulsa inside the 10 twice in the last minute because when Cincinnati got the ball back at the two, Desmond Ritter fumbled it back to Tulsa. They have first and goal at the two and they couldn't score. Do you think if a you think if Nebraska had first and goal at the two against Ohio State, they wouldn't have scored? I mean, do you you are that confident in Ohio State's defense? Cincinnati's defense is legit. Its offense is legit. Cincinnati's a legit football team. And I just can't think anything other than they're not in the top four because the powers that be do not want a team that's not on the in-club in the Final Four. Now, I think they will be in the Final Four because I think there's a much greater chance that Oregon loses a game than there is that Cincinnati loses a game. And if Oregon loses a game, then Cincinnati will be the beneficiary of that. But there's no fair universe in which Ohio State can ever be ranked ahead of Oregon if they both have the same record. (laughs) No way can that ever happen. I don't care who Ohio State beats. I don't care who Oregon beats, how they beat them, head-to-head in Ohio Stadium without Kayvon Thibodeau and without their other good player whose name I don't know, but they were missing their top two. Look, there's just no way that can be. You would not want it to be that way if Ohio State was handed the resume that Oregon has right now. You just wouldn't. So I'm more about being fair than being provincial, and that's how I see the college football playoff rankings, that they do not want Cincinnati in, and they're going to do everything they can to keep Cincinnati out. All right. Uh, I would like to recommend to you that auiinfo.com is a great sponsor of the show because they've been someone whose business has intrigued me for a long time. Intrigued me because I have little to no acumen when it comes to understanding the nuances of insurance companies, what they cover, who they cover, why they cover, how they cover. It's, it's interesting to me that other people are fascinated by things that bore me. Some people have no interest in sports. I can't imagine living my life without knowing sports. But they look at me and they think, what are you wasting your, not, your time on that nonsense for? AUINFO.com is fascinated, I don't think so much by insurance companies, as they are fascinated by doing business with individuals and businesses and helping them be successful. I've said this before. I'll say it again. I like representing great people. I like introducing you to the same great people. And Chrissy, who is the head of AUI, is really an amazing person. Her husband is an amazing guy, too. I've known him for years and years and years. I've known Steve for years. He's just an amazing guy. They're both giving people. They're very, very honest and upstanding folks. That's not the reason why you should do business with AUI. You should do business with AUI because, A, it's free. (laughs) They will evaluate insurance policies for you free, knowing that the company you pick from the list of potential companies will then compensate AUI. So they get paid. They just don't get paid by you, and they're great, and they do a phenomenal job, and it's open enrollment, and now is the time 
to switch your insurance if, in fact, you're going to do it. So, auiinfo.com. Type your questions into their chat. Get your answers. They're amazing. auiinfo.com. Everybody in the world is weighing in on Aaron Rodgers. I know Aaron Rodgers left the impression that he was vaccinated, said he was immunized. I'm amazed how bad journalism is that nobody said, does that mean you're vaccinated? Does that mean you've taken the COVID-19 vaccine? Nobody was smart enough or self-aware enough to ask that question. What I find interesting about this is that Aaron Rodgers is in the headlines every day. Aaron Rodgers is perceived as a threat to society. Henry Ruggs ran his car into the back of another person's car, killed that person, killed the dog that was in their car with them. And there's like hardly any coverage of how horrible drunk Henry Ruggs was compared to Aaron Rodgers. Someone is dead because of Henry Ruggs irresponsibility is anyone dead because of aaron Rodgers? no we're all afraid somebody will be dead because of aaron Rodgers. the whole thing is stupefying to me how we obsess over what ifs but don't react at all to what is as for the rest of the nfl with the cincinnati bengals they're off this week they need to be off they looked horrible against the cleveland browns they should sit on that chew on it fret about it and try to regain who they were when they came off that big wind at Baltimore. Maybe they're just not mature enough to handle success. There are a lot of teams that are like that. Hello, Cleveland Browns. So we'll see how Joe Burrow and the uh, boys bounce back from their off week. As for the Browns, they go to New England this week. Um, wouldn't, wouldn't count that a W. Belichick, you know this means more to him. He'll never say it, but you know it does. Mac Jones is a decent quarterback. The Patriots have a good defense. I would not assume the Browns will win that game, particularly with Nick Chubb and Demetric Felton having tested positive for COVID. Now, they've both been vaccinated, so if they have two negative tests, they'll be back on Sunday. But at this point, um, no Kareem Hunt, no Nick Chubb, no Demetric Felton. Puts a lot of pressure on uh, Dearness Johnson. Puts a lot of pressure on the Browns' offensive line. And yes, puts a lot of pressure on Baker Mayfield. I said Monday, Baker Mayfield, I like him throwing less than 25 times a game. I'll be pretty surprised if they can run a game plan at New England that will deliver the goods without him throwing it more than 25 times just because you can't run Dearness Johnson 40 times, I wouldn't think. So we'll see how the Browns do against the New England Patriots. So in the faith portion of the podcast today, it is the 10th of November. Tomorrow is Veterans Day. Uh, my father was a veteran, and I am exceedingly grateful to veterans. I can't imagine giving four years of your life or two years of your life to military service. It's something I never had to do. Um, I was born in an era where that wasn't required of uh, average, healthy, uh, normal American boys. I would have done it had it been required, and... I will say now that in hindsight, I am sorry that I didn't get to do it. It would have been good for my development. It would not have been pleasant. It would have been very difficult for me. But quitting would not have been an option. I just don't think you ever... I mean, it would just would not have entered my mind to quit. I didn't love college for the first year. I wasn't going to quit. I knew I had to go through it to get where I wanted to go. Now, I don't really think that's the case. I wish I would have thought it through better. Uh, but 
in my day, that was a thing. You had to get a college degree. Um, there is something, I think, intuitively, subliminally beneficial from not doing what you would first and foremost choose to do, but rather doing something out of duty and out of compulsion and out of honor to do it for a long period of time. It teaches you discipline. Discipline is a word that we have de-emphasized and even marginalized in our culture, but you cannot be an obedient, uh, heartfelt Christian who desires to serve God according to his will for your life without valuing discipline. And I was reading today in Proverbs chapter 10, and I noticed that a phrase kept coming up in Proverbs chapter 10. It says in verse 8, The wise in heart accept commands, but a chattering fool comes to ruin. Two verses later, Whoever winks maliciously causes grief, and a chattering fool comes to ruin. Verse 14, The wise store up knowledge, but the mouth of a fool invites ruin. Okay, so I'm not the... uh, strongest, most intuitive person in the world. But when you hit me with the same takeaway three times in a span of six verses, I get that being a fool is not a good thing, that flapping your gums all the time is not a good thing, and that there's a level of implied disdain in God's word for a fool. Now, in one of my footnotes to Proverbs, when it talks about a fool, it says that a fool is an immoral person. Now, that's not typically how we would define a fool. That's not how I would typically define a fool. A fool, I would say, is someone who is is dumb, is stupid, is lacking in common sense, is so immersed in what they want to do that they ignore the danger of attempting to do it and often suffer the consequences for it. For instance, there used to be a game people would play, a game of chicken with a train. You'd stand there with a train speeding down the tracks, and you'd see who could stand there the longest and then jump out of the way of the train. You're a fool if you play that game because you might freeze, you might trip, you might die. What are you going to win the admiration of some other fool who's willing to do the same thing. So that's a game that only a fool would play because the upside is almost nothing and the downside is you could die. But the Bible talks about a fool being an immoral person. Why would they call a fool someone who's immoral, somebody who sleeps around, somebody who violates God's moral law? Well, that's the answer. The description is the answer. God looks at you as a fool if you are immoral because you are violating his law, and he has laid out in his word the benefits of living your life according to his plan and, yes, his rules. I know we are predisposed now to hate rules, but are you noticing a little circle here? I talked about discipline. Now we're talking about rules. If you go away from rules... You circle away from 
propriety, from acceptability, from things that are smart, from things that are prudent, what are you? You're a fool. God's laid out what's going to happen if you're a fool. You'll come to what? Ruin. You will come to ruin. And so I know it's out of vogue to take orders, to submit, to humble but wouldn't it make sense that a God who forgives wretches like me, who could view me as sinless, and I might add you as sinless, for all the things you've thought, done, and thought about doing, or wanted to do, for him, for any God to be able to find you acceptable just because you say, I can't do anything to absolve myself of my sin and the consequences for my sin— But your son, Jesus, he did something by dying on the cross that makes available to me forgiveness for all my bad stuff. And I'm going to claim that. A God who thinks that way, a God who loves that way, a God who transacts how he views us that way, is a God who would require you to do things the way he says to do them Not because he's on a power trip, but because he's already demonstrated how much he loves you by reconciling reconciling you to himself. So if he loves you enough to do that, why would you think that he would tell you to do a bunch of things that aren't going to spare you pain, that aren't going to spare you frustration, that aren't going to spare you humiliation? That's why. The Ten Commandments are in the Bible. That's why he has rules for us on how to live, how to treat others, how to be a servant, how to be humble, how to be compassionate, how to be gentle. It all flows out of his endless wellspring of love. He doesn't want you to be a fool. Yeah, he doesn't want you to be a fool. Right. For his benefit? No. For yours. For yours. Because he knows it'll bring you pain in this life, and he knows that it, by definition, of a completely holy God, will separate you from him forever, and then he won't get to be with you in eternity like he wants to do, which he's already proven how much he wants to do that because he sent his son to die for you. So don't be a chattering fool. Don't be someone who ignores discipline. And believe me, I know I did it for a long, long time. That is why God prizes discipline. That is why he prizes all the things that he talks about in his word. Not for his benefit. For yours. That's the faith portion of the podcast today. That's the podcast today. Hope you enjoy it. We'll be back Friday. We'll talk a little more high school football on Friday. Excited about the regional semifinal games that are going to be played this weekend. Got a couple of unbeatens in Central Ohio. Duking it out at Old Tangy Liberty, figuratively speaking. Of course. Until then, have a great Wednesday.